Well, hi, and welcome back to another edition of the Pastors Podcast. I am Bob, joined here with Todd. Uh, we gave Matt the day off for good behavior, and uh, so we are going to be continuing our series on um, the common issues, the sins that plague every believer, um, and uh, we are going to talk about this morning, or uh, this afternoon, uh, discouragement and doubt, and uh, the two really go hand in hand, and as we go through this, hopefully um, we can give you kind of a, a broad idea of both of those, but we want to talk about them together, um, so as we're going, we'll kind of hash out the differences between them, but so how would you, just starting off, how would you define these things, discouragement and doubt? Uh, well, doubt is uh, connected to faith mm. um, in the sense that when a Christian is doubting, they are, um, they're not necessarily experiencing a lack of faith, but their faith is not as strong as it should be or could be. Mm. So it's a weakness in faith. We would contrast that with, you know, the doubt of an unbeliever. They have no faith. They, they don't mm. trust the Lord. They don't believe the Lord. They don't believe His promises. They have zero trust in Him. So the doubt of an unbeliever is the result of zero faith. Hmm. The doubt of a believer is a weak faith. And so doubt is connected to faith in the believer, that sometimes we have this lack of certainty about God and His goodness and His faithfulness hmm. and His kindness. And so we just we struggle. We look at our circumstances. We look at life. We... We see things going on and, and we question, is God good? Is He faithful? Mm. Is He kind? Can He be trusted? And so I think in the life of a believer, that's what doubt comes. It's, it's this uh, willingness to maybe be drawn away into believing something unlikely to be true about God. Hmm, that's good. So then from doubt is how we get discouraged. Exactly. Right. They're so connected. They are connected. So when you... Start to doubt the goodness of God, kind of going through those attributes you named, right? Faithfulness, goodness, all those things of God. And then we're left with, we have to believe something. Like we all, everybody on this planet believes something, and that's how we live our life. And I would go as far to say we all believe something about God, and that's how we live our life. So the atheist believes there is no God, and he lives accordingly. The, you know, the Muslim, the Buddhist, whomever, they all believe something about God. And so our, if our doubt in God starts to take over... That's the fruit of that would be our discouragement. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I think it's not, I have to be careful here. I, I don't know if all discouragement is wrong or sinful. I'm not sure that's the case. In fact, I don't think it is. I think there's, there's perhaps um, a kind of discouragement that, that just comes from living in a sinful world, mm. seeing the effects of sin, my own sin, um, having things that you know we had hoped had happened that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I hoped my spouse would live longer, but they succumbed to cancer sooner than we hoped. I mean, there's legitimate discouragement mm -hmm. there that I think is is connected to just the effect of living in a sinful world. And this is we're human, right? We're not robots, so right. we feel things. And so I do think that there is there are times in life when when we can become just discouraged over what we're seeing and things not happening the way we wanted there hoped hoped them to. But at the same time, there's a very fine line there, hmm. right? So I, I think we have to be careful that we don't dismiss discouragement and just say, well, it's always not sinful. I, I think that legitimate <clears throat> discouragement over. Uh, 
things not happening the way we'd hoped can quickly bleed into sinful kind of discouragement. So we have to be cautious here and, mm-hmm. and make sure that we understand kind of how, how to diagnose these. Yeah, because they're feelings we're talking about. Right. And so our feelings will lead us astray if we allow them to. Right. And so I think that's why it's so important. Like you read through, I mean, they, they're actually called the Lament Psalms, or you have an actual book, the Lamentations, right? Yeah. And so we do have this, like, I thought this was going to be different. I We, we planned this direction. You know, why is it, Lord, that the wicked prosper? You know, you read of that. Like, that's that's discouragement. That's looking out and seeing, I'm doing everything right, at least in my mind's eye. They're doing everything wrong. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. They're getting blessed. I'm getting beaten. Why should I even do anything right then? Right. right? And so I, I think we can legitimately say, hey, these are feelings that we have. But like every single psalm, it's tied directly to the truth of God. Yeah. So instead of believing our feelings, then we're saying, hey, what should we believe instead then, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so then some biblical examples of this. Now, there is doubt. <laughs> this is sound funny. There's doubt all over Scripture. Uh, <laughs> we don't doubt the Scripture. The word doubt or discouragement is actually there. I just grabbed three of them. Uh, the first one, Romans fourteen twenty three, having to do with eating food. And he says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. So connecting those two things you talked about earlier. And he says, whatever is not from faith is sin. So the Paul there is actually connecting. If you're not, you know, he's in the realm of food he's talking about. But the overall thing is if we're doing something not by faith, then if it's done with doubt, then he connects that directly to sin. So even broader than the food with which he's talking about here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then James 1, I think, is, uh, is, is really helpful, too. He says, but he, may, he must ask in faith, once again, connecting faith, without doubting. He says, for the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the whim. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So what's James connecting there for us? Well, he's talking about, you know, the, in verse 5, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask of the Lord mm. for that wisdom. <clears throat> but if in the process of asking for that wisdom, we don't really believe the Lord's mm. going to supply the wisdom that we're asking for, that's what he's he's confronting here. We we should ask with an expectation that Lord the Lord's going to provide what we ask for mm. according to his will. So if we don't, if we go to the Lord and ask him in faith for, in this case, wisdom, but we don't believe that he's going to give it to us, then he describes us as like the surf of the sea driven, tossed here and there. You're just like this unstable person, like something mm. riding on the surface of the sea. And so... You know, this is the danger that that doubting brings into the life of a believer. It's the opposite of faith, mm. and so that this is why we would cl- classify doubt as sinful. I think we can safely say all doubt is sinful. Mm. I'm sure you'll get some emails. Maybe yeah, well, I would be careful how I say these things because this is where we get the yeah the responses. Right, right, right. I think there are occasions where discouragement is not necessarily sinful. But discouragement can quickly lead to sin. But I think in all cases of doubt, at the core of that is a lack of faith and a lack of trust and a lack of confidence in who God is, in his person, his character, his promises, his sovereignty, those kinds of things. So I think we're, we're pretty safe to say, based on James 1 and Romans 14, 23, that 
all doubt ultimately does lead us into sin. Yeah, because you look at the Psalms, right? And you, whether it's 73 or 13, 42, 43, you go through those Psalms, and there's always this, I'm looking inward. Yeah. And when we look inward, we are no longer looking at God. And so what we are doing is no different than the, the Old Testament Israel where, you know, you see the ebb and flow, right? The idolatry that comes and then they cast off God. Well, what you're doing when you look inward is you're saying, okay, God, I've got this. I, I thought this would have turned out differently. If I was, so actually, what we're saying is if I were God, <laughs> I would have done it this way right. and then I wouldn't be so downcast right right and so i would have to i would also have to agree that when we when we doubt it's sinful i mean not only does the bible connect it but we see it in our own hearts and lives you know we we thought it would go differently and because it's not going differently we're no longer trusting in god but we're actually doubting god's goodness and like do we truly believe that all th- good gifts come from god yeah because if we do we'll change our definition of good yeah. to say whatever we get from god must be good right yeah i think of the example of peter on walking on the water mm. you know matthew uh, matthew 14 and jesus says to him as he's sinking mm-hmm. oh you of little faith why did you doubt jesus right. connects those two right there right and he says the reason peter experienced what he experienced is because not of a lack of faith, it was a weak faith. Yeah. And so he's challenging him. He's confronting mm. them, him on that. And and even Thomas, you know, when you come to Thomas and doubting Thomas and that moniker that's poor guy. Him, poor guy. <laughs> you know, he's forever had to live with that <laughs> that uh, that nickname. Uh, but what was his issue? He also didn't choose to believe the accounts of the resurrection. He needed mm. proof. He didn't have faith. And so that that's why we would say that doubt is a sin because it doesn't take God and his trustworthiness at face value. Yeah. And I think you see this as well. This is one of the texts that we were going to talk about, Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 24 and 25, as Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with his disciples after he's resurrected. He says, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also said. These are the disciples uh, speaking, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. He, he doesn't commend them for their doubt. He right. condemns them for their calls doubt. calls them foolish. He calls them foolish. And back and then. That, yeah, seriously. And if you <clears throat> skip down to verse 38 of that same chapter, he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Mm. So Jesus is, he, he found no pleasure in the doubting of the disciples. He actually confronted it. So yeah. that's why I think we have to take doubt very seriously when it creeps up in our hearts. Yeah, I think it's really helpful. If there was ever a time in Scripture where we wanted to know what somebody said, it was, what did Jesus tell them yeah, on right. the road? Because it brought them back up. But you know, it's interesting, it, it's their unbelief that they were discouraged in, right? And so you, you can start to see this pattern where we're taking our eyes off of what God has said, we're putting our eyes onto what we think to be true, even if we see it, right? Because they're looking around, the tomb was empty. That's what they said there. Yeah. You know, we actually saw the tomb was empty. So instead of believing what Jesus told them, they rather believed what they saw. Even though what they saw was true, right. they still didn't believe what Jesus said. And so what was the reaction? Well, they doubted. Right. So because instead of using their own intellect, or instead of using what God said, they used their own intellect. And that's how they got to where they were. It's always dangerous. Always dangerous. When we put confidence in our senses, when we put confidence in our emotions, Mm. and we've said it before, those things often 
not always, but often will lead us astray. Mm. And uh, that's where uh, the mark of a mature believer is a man or woman of robust faith, mm. right? And Scripture commends that kind of faith over and over and over again. Think of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, yeah. right? How did those people live? They lived in the face of opposition mm. and persecution uh, with a robust confidence in the Lord. With uh, a tenth of the knowledge that we have exactly. today, right? They only looked forward to these things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I oftentimes think of like Paul in First Corinthians when he talks to them. And uh, he's like, I wish I could talk to you as mature but I can talk to you only as those who can have the milk of the word. And even that they struggled with, right? Yeah. It's that faith. Like, do you have that mature faith to not attach yourself to these things, but just to look at what God has said, believe what God has said, and then live your life according to that. And realizing you'll have ebbs and flows, right? Like yeah, you're up and down. And But the stability that comes when you read through the layman Psalms, it always starts the same way. There's this down, and there's this looking, and then there's this looking up, and then there's this rejoicing and praising God, yeah. right? Yeah. So then the next question would be, we kind of uh, answered this a little bit as we've been talking, but um, why do we believe that this is such a, a heinous sin? Why, you know, if somebody says, hey, look, it's just my general disposition. I'm just a doubter. You know, I, I need to, you know, the people would say, well, I need to see it in order to believe it, um, which, you know, brought the the disciples on the road to Emmaus quite a bit of trouble because they did see it. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, they believed what they saw. Yeah. And so how would, you, how would you tell somebody, hey, before getting into encouraging them, how would you take God's word to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is a sin that we're dealing with? Well, I think you see them as polar opposites in Scripture. It's not like Scripture portrays this uh, kind of halfway faith that you can live in, mm. one foot in the world of faith and one foot in the world of doubt. That doesn't honor the Lord, and that's not in Scripture. What mm. honors the Lord? It's... It's this confidence in Him, this trust in Him, in the face of adversity, in the face of hardship, in the face of challenging circumstances. So when we're in those things, and again, there's human emotions, and there's, there's discouragement that comes in the, in the face of those things, but if we run to doubt and discouragement, and we fail to place our confidence and trust in the Lord, we're running away from what the Scriptures tell, mm. tell us. We should be running to those things. And so you know, we'll talk in a minute about how do you... How do you fight this? But it is a fight sometimes. And I think sometimes we'd rather succumb hmm. rather than fight because it feels better to wallow. And, and that's what makes it such a serious thing. We're content to live in this land of doubt hmm. and discouragement because it feels better. It feels good to kind of just commiserate hmm. and live in misery for a while. And and, and doubt is not of God. I think we have to say that clearly. Yeah, doubt sure. is not of God. And so if we don't repent of that doubt, then that's a pretty serious thing. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, second that. And when you see people who are living in doubt, I, I believe there's two reasons why they love to stay there. First of all, because it's easy, as you alluded to. You don't have to fight your way into yeah. doubt. You actually have to fight your way out of doubt. Exactly. And the second reason is your doubt is all about you. And so your world has gone from living for God to living for you. And so everyone loves to think about themselves. I mean, there is nobody on this planet that talks to you more than you, right? And so you are the one who is talking to yourself. You're feeding yourself the information. And when you're doubting, you're no longer seeking a source that's godly or God himself through his word. 
but you're just seeking your own heart. And now you're taking counsel in your own heart and you're right. stewing on what that is. And so you can always tell when somebody's in that mix because you go up and you're like, hey, let's look at God's word. Well, you know, the, the, the proverb said he who separates himself seeks yeah. his own desires, right? And so that's what's happening there is you're just seeking your own desires. You recoil against wisdom or you're the one that says, yeah, I know what God's word says, but. So that should always be the red flag, you know, yeah. <laughs> that giant butt that's there. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think it's easy, and it's a heinous sin because it takes us out of fellowship. It takes us out of God's Word. It takes us out of a walk in the Spirit, and it puts us right into the center of our own will and right into the center of our own desires. And you can't, as you rightly said, you can't have one foot in God's will and one foot in your own will. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And so that's what we're trying to do when we're, when we're living in doubt. And I think that's how you diagnose when maybe a, a legitimate form of of sadness or discouragement there's a time for maybe to react to a certain situation that way Th- that's how you discern when you've crossed over into sin mm, that's good so uh, here would be some some questions to ask how do you know when it's a good kind of discouragement or an acceptable kind and a bad sinful mm. kind so here's some things you can watch for uh, when that discouragement starts to turn to self-pity mm. Now you've moved from, okay, you're human, uh, you've lost someone close to you, or you're mourning over your own sin. That, that's legitimate. Mm. But now you're in the realm of self-pity. Right. Now you're into sin. Now you're in sin, legitimate right? sin. Yeah. Exactly. Here's another one. Watch for discouragement starting to paralyze you and keep you from doing what you should. So does it take you out of the body? You alluded to that. Mm. Does it prevent you from being in the Word, to being in prayer, to being active in the life of your church, to serving others? If it starts to pull you away from those things, mm. and now you've isolated yourself, and you're doing the wallow thing that you just talked mm. about, yeah, listening yeah. to yourself, <clears throat> you're in that sinful category of discouragement. One more, Second Corinthians 6.10 says that we, sh- we can be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Mm. So, and that's a long list he goes through. That's a long list in 2 Corinthians 6. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to be sorrowful, yeah. but always rejoicing. And yeah. so if you're not able to rejoice in the midst of your sorrow, you've likely crossed over into the sinful category mm. of discouragement. So that, that's why it makes it a heinous sin, is it paralyzes mm. us, it distracts us, it isolates us. It makes us be navel gazers, you know, mm-hmm. look at ourselves rather than, than others in the Lord. That's why it's so serious. Yeah, and I think, as you said, rejoicing, like your, what is your discouragement doing? In the, the lament psalms, as you go through and you read through those, the circumstances never change. Right, so the idea of their environment changing did not take place. And we'll say David for the majority of them. Um, the, he didn't leave the the area that his enemies were surrounding him he didn't leave the rebellion of his sons right he wasn't gone from those things yeah. he was still in the midst of it circumstances circumstances the stayed the same it was him he chose to rather look at God right. than to continue to look at himself exactly. because he knew I can't find anything you know if we truly believe that when the Bible says there's nothing good in us why do we look for something good in us why do we look to the one that Jesus said is only good who is the Father right that's so that's where we need to look that's true. Uh, and so then lastly, you know, how do we actively combat this sin? And uh, I think there's some good exercises we can do. And um, if, if we, we truly believe, which we do, that faith and, and doubt are opposite ends of one another. Um, and so the, the doubting soul needs to be built up in their faith. 
And so how would you tell somebody, here's how you can be built up in your faith? What tools practically would you give them? I mean, I think it's like any other issue of the mind and the heart. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 5, right? It's mm. take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. It's thinking on what's right and true. It's replacing those thoughts of doubt and discouragement and despair with things that you know to be true about God. That's what Philippians 4, 8 says. You think on what's true. Is this true? The way I'm thinking right now, this self-pity, this isolation, mm. this discouragement that has paralyzed me and is this true? Not could it be true? Because yeah, <laughs> I think some people say, well, this is very likely. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. What is actually truth? Yes. Exactly. <clears throat> so it's no different. You're, you're flooding your mind with truth. You're fighting your flesh with truth. You're reigning in your emotions. You're mm. making those thoughts submit to the authority of Scripture, even when your heart's not there. And so that's why I think it is a fight. And... Um, it's a fight that we're going to have to, you know, constantly engage in. We don't, we don't pout. We don't shrink. We don't pull away from that. Uh, we just fight it with truth. Yeah, I think uh, you know Psalm seventy-seven. There, I remember your miracles long ago. Psalm thirteen, I believe it's in verse five. He said, "When I remembered, uh, you know, God." And so, we have this tendency. Uh, to believe that progress is good. So we oftentimes forget the past. And a lot of people, when they look in the past, they remember, they remember it through a very cloudy lens. And uh, that, I believe, is just a product of, of sin, right? Like where bodies are deteriorating. So the things you remember 10 minutes ago aren't as clear as the thing you remember 10 yeah. years ago. And so although all the time throughout the Psalms, and, and even you look at the Pentateuch, and as the, you know, in Joshua, as the nation of Israel is going in, they're setting up markers for themselves because God knows that we have a very short-term memory. And so oftentimes when we get into despair, or we get into discouragement, or get into doubt, we start using words like always and never. And I'm always the one that this happens to. I never have God's favor. I encourage people, write stuff down. So that way, when all of a sudden you start saying those self-pity kind of terms, you can turn and you can look. Because what you say, what you said was right. It's a fight. So you have to actually stop yourself, pick up your book of good things that God has done for you since you were saved, yeah. and start reading through those good things. You're not going to come out of discouragement just because you want to. Or, or, by or by accident. You don't drift into encouragement, right? <laughs> and so I think it's very, very helpful that as the psalmist say, as it says in, in various parts of the Old Testament, you know, we need to remember God's faithfulness. Because if you are listening to this and you say, oh, I've never gone through a time like that, you will. Yeah. You will go through these times. And uh, when discouragement comes upon you, you need to be ready for it so it doesn't crush you and, and take you to a dark place that you shouldn't be. Yeah, the danger comes when you linger there. Yes. That's the problem. Yeah. It's lingering there. Absolutely. It's loitering there. It's staying there. It's finding comfort, right? Exactly. So I think that's the problem. And that, that kind of hopelessness can just destroy you. It can sap the life out of you. It can render you ineffective and useless for the kingdom. That's right. And so as long as you, you linger there and you stay there, that's going to make you ineffective. Yeah. So then how do you get yourself out of that? It's, it's the hard work of 
of uh, bringing your thoughts into submission to the Lord and placing your confidence in Him even when you don't feel like it. Yeah, and being around other people, you know, like other believers who are in a good spot, so to speak. And so being around faithful, strong believers, because it's amazing how, you know, you'll feel down or, you know, you feel discouraged and you show up at a, a, you know, a a small group study or midweek study, whatever that is, church in general. And all of a sudden you leave and you're so encouraged. And I can't tell you how many people I've heard say this exact line. I didn't feel like coming today, but I did anyway, and I'm so glad, right? Like, because it's God's word. It's the fellowship of the saints. It's the encouragement from God's word. It's God's word striking to our, I mean, all the different things that God's word does. It gets you outside of yourself. Outside of yourself. You're not stuck in the four walls of your home. You get some fresh air, sometimes in Michigan. And, uh, (laughs) you know, but the, the point is there are things, but all of them are, actions on our part it's easier to sit home it's easier to wallow in self-pity and the bible knows that and that's why it says so many times we have to get out and we have to be doing something yeah exactly i think too of uh, you know jesus healed that man's son who was epileptic Mm. and um the the man comes to him and says uh, you know can you heal him and um, immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe, help me in my unbelief. Mark nine twenty four. So he's, at, he's acknowledging my heart is struggling right now. Yeah. My heart is doubting. My heart is discouraged. I'm not, I'm not there. Lord, help me. I think that's an appropriate prayer. It's a good place to be. That's a good place to, <laughs> to start, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's, let's say you, that's you. You are uh, recognizing that you are down in a, a realm of self-pity that you shouldn't be. What do you do? Perhaps the best place to start is to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Yeah, and that's where the psalmists go, right? And so you see that in the New Testament as well, so it hasn't changed. And I think we have to recognize that. And, uh, and you think of like, uh, you know, you lose a loved one, and I go back constantly to Joshua, and I think of Moses dying, and God's like, okay, the time of mourning is done. So we naturally mourn, and we naturally will right. feel sorrow, and that's fine. And the Bible's like, but he does say the time is done. Yeah. And so then he's like, now, Joshua, you're leading my people, now go take over the promised land. So there was a time that you mourn, and then there's a time you get over it, and then there's a time to actually do the work of God. Right. And that's what happened as we see there. So. Absolutely. Well, I hope that this was uh, encouraging. I hope you're not discouraged by listening to it. Um, and so we, we thank you for listening and uh, hope that, uh, that you can find some encouragement throughout that. Once again, if you ever have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to uh, shoot us an email. So I hope you have a good rest of the day.